Welcome to Practical Awakening. In this podcast, I share conscious conversations with incredible women about human design, spirituality, and the practical application of them in your life and in your relationships. I'm your host, Rachel Amy, human design expert, life coach, and yoga teacher from the UK. I believe that we're all spiritual beings, uniquely designed and perfectly placed with such an important purpose. So if you're ready to explore human design, practice deep self-acceptance, and put your spirituality to work, let's get started. In today's episode of Practical Awakening, I'm joined by Suzanne, who is a 4-6 emotional manifesting generator. And we dig into so much beautiful, juicy information around being an emotional wave, the individual wave specifically, which is the channel 1222, and all of the beauty and richness that really live in having an emotional wave and having an emotional authority. Suzanne shares the combination of her emotional authority and her sacral as well, how that really shows up in her life. We dig really deeply into being responsible for your emotions and holding them with reverence, allowing them in your life and finding the people that are willing to witness your emotions, be them high or low without having to do anything to fix it. This was such a wholesome and beautiful conversation. Both of us had a couple of light bulb moments and I hope you find the same too. Okay, so let's dive in. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Hi, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to talking with you about all this. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk emotional waves, your individual wave, and also like that combination of having emotional authority and a sacred response as well. So I'll be really excited to dig into all of that because it adds an extra kind of level and an extra layer to how you experience your emotional response. Um, for Mm -hmm. sure. But I always like to start with the same question. Where did you or how did you discover human design and what kind of were your first thoughts when you came across it? Yeah, I actually heard about it maybe three years ago or so um, on a podcast. And initially I was, I mean, I I really gravitate towards anything that gives me more information on awareness of who I am. Um, as I, you know, put those pieces together in my life and it was just so interesting. And I was like a a friend at the time was also very much into it, was introduced to it the same way that I was. So we would kind of be back and forth about like all of the ideas and all of the concepts and like kind of trying to say like, Oh, who do you think, what do you think this person is, et cetera. Um, but I didn't have my birth certificate. I didn't have my um, exact date of birth. So I actually didn't look my human design up until um, a few months later when I had access to kind of go get my long form birth certificate. Um, and I was afraid that if I looked it up and then it changed, I would feel a certain way about it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just thought it was so fascinating. And even though it was just the introduction to, you know, type and strategy, it was so much information that I felt was, you know, has the potential to really shift someone's life if they start to put some of these concepts and ideas into use in the world. Um, yeah. And then from there, it was like, you know, you just kind of go deeper and deeper in um, and and you learn so much, really. But those kind of basic things to me were just so eye opening. 
Yeah, I love that. I definitely feel the same. Like there is so much in human design and you can go so deep for, you know, months and years of your life, but always coming back to that like type strategy authority. I think those are like the foundation pieces that can really change your life. And then everything else, it's great. And it helps you understand yourself more and how you show up. But I'm like, always come home to your strategy, your authority, and then like your centers as well. And I think sometimes people like rush past that trying to get to like, like the shiny object, like human design syndrome almost. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is like a good reminder to come back to those basics. And it's almost like if you remind yourself to do that, or just like get in the flow of that, then everything kind of seamlessly happens anyways. It's all kind of supplemental. It's fascinating. And I'll continue to, you know, learn about all of those nuances. But um, but yeah. Yeah, because it's all showing up, isn't it? Your channels, your gates, they're all showing up whether you're thinking about it or not. But yeah. I feel like you have that control over your strategy and over your authority, you know, which really helps you kind of manipulate, you know, your life and really make those big changes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So your emotional authority. I'm emotional authority too. So I'm super excited to dig into just the kind of the different perspectives and different experiences of that. So when you found out when you did run your chart and it said Mm -hmm. you were emotional authority, did that make sense to you? Were you like, well, yeah, like obviously, or were you, did you feel like you have been very conditioned around kind of like your emotional process? Um, I was like, okay, if I'm not an emotional authority, then I would not have believed in human design. Like it it was really like that obvious to me. And this is actually, so I'm a manifesting generator with the emotional authority. And this wave, the 22 or the 2212 is the channel that defines my emotional authority. Um, And it's the only conscious, fully conscious channel that I have. So uh, I'm not surprised that it resonates with me, um, but it, it, it completely feels like such a big, big part of my life. Um, I think that, you know, I've always been t- connected to it. There's definitely conditioning in the sense of, am I too big with this? Is there something wrong with me? Um, you know, I definitely connected with the moodiness piece of this wave. Um, And also just like being really, really tapped into my emotions. I knew, I don't think I necessarily had the words that human design kind of gives us to articulate what it was, but I always knew that there was a process going on um, that seemed hard at times, but was also giving me, moving me through life and like where I should be and ultimately giving me clarity, even if it was, you know, went from a low to a high. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely very connected with it. There still was some conditioning. I remember, I remember as, I don't even think I was a kid, maybe as like a teenager or, or young adult, something like that. And my, so my sister has this center undefined and I remember her saying something. I think I was like caught up in one of my emotional waves and I think it was very apparent to my family that this, you know, that emotions <laughs> were a big part of my life. Yeah. And and she's a projector as well. She gives amazing advice and and but she said to me once she was like, "Well, can you can you just pick a different emotion?" Like 
kind of so we can move, so you can move past this. Um, and like, I felt like the, the manifesting generator frustration theme come up. Cause I was like, actually, no, like that is not something that I can physically do. And I, I kind of had this feeling like, Oh, can other people do that? Just like choose an emotion, <laughs> um, and then shift. And, and for me, I just have to understand like, girl, you got to move through it. It is part of your process. Um, but yeah, it resonated for me in a major, major way. Yeah, I definitely it, feel that. Did it for you? I mean, I can't remember exactly the moment of like real of reading that I was an emotional authority, but it makes perfect sense. Like I am one of the most intensely emotional people that I know. Um, but I think up until that point and up until really digging into my human design, being emotional was something that I tried to do less, you know, which obviously made it worse and made my emotions more intense. But like looking back on my childhood, like I was always told I was being like dramatic and being difficult and just being like too emotional. It's like, stop crying, calm down, like cheer up, like whatever mood I was in was never the correct one. And I think that was a really difficult thing to do because then you do, and I was like, my family were very liberal and loving and supportive, but they just didn't understand that process. So I was constantly kind of like suppressing those emotions down and then being a manifester, all it did was make me fucking angry at everything all of the time. Like I was like the fury that wouldn't like come up for me because I wasn't expressing my emotions. You know, I wasn't allowing myself to be in it. And I think the most difficult part of being an emotional authority is learning how to really like hold all of your emotions with like reverence and with honor, you know, and allowing it up because anytime that you don't allow it up, like everything's going to end badly in that situation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's like fascinating too, how you bring it back to like those feelings of a manifester and how that can just, you know, it, it fuels, it fuels the things that are the not self themes, you know, it makes everything just bigger in a sense. Um, and I absolutely feel, feel that same way. And I think this idea of learning to, you know, even though I have always resonated with this, I can't necessarily say that I always was able to hold, um, you know, all of the pieces of my emotions. And, and I did have these, these ideas or concepts or conditionings of like, kind of like you shared of like, okay, I have to suppress this a bit, you know, like I can't, you know, have an emotional moment right now. Um, and I, and I didn't, there was a lot of, you know, examples of times in my life where I, I, I was just kind of letting things out in a way that was a lot. And I think that, you know, especially with the center and I think everyone should really be able to normalize this way of like, you know, expressing your emotions. It definitely, you know, this, this center, I think like that is one of the most important places to be able to do that. Um, But I was doing it in a way where I wasn't honoring the emotions. And so this just really came out in these moods that were just like, 
you know, this wave is kind of going along in this neutral spot and then like it'll spike up or it'll spike down. And that's where this sense of moodiness comes from. Um, and it would be, you know, so impactful to the people around me. So an example of that, like, um, if I'm on vacation with, with people and I'm with them for like a ton of time, people that I love, people that I want to spend time with. Um, but if I don't honor when I know that maybe I just need to take a step away, um, or find that alone time, I can really find myself like saying something that maybe I regret or didn't mean at all and then kind of coming down from that later being in this kind of neutral spot of my wave and then being like whoa like what just happened you know um so now now having so much aware awareness of that this wave my personal kind of rhythms and flows of emotion I can I can hold it better um knowing that it impacts the people around me and also it impacts me, of course, at the end of the day. Yeah, I think it kind of brought um, to my mind like the metaphor of like a boiling pot. You know, when you're an emotional authority, like if you have that lid on your pot and you're trying to like suppress the emotions, like everything's still boiling. And at some point it's going to boil over, you know, burn the bottom of your pan, ruin your countertop, scold you like in the process of doing it. And normally, like, the one moment you don't want your pot to boil over is, like, the time it does, you know. So really learning to love and accept your emotional process is, like, taking the lid off and just always allowing yourself to be emotional, you know, and being responsible for that steam that you're letting off, whether it is really high and ecstatic or whether it is, you know, really low and sad and moody, but allowing it a little bit at a time And when you're in the moment, I think is so important because then you don't have as much impact on people or you're aware to say like, and I do it a lot. I'm like, I'm in a bad mood. Like I need to go and just spend 10 minutes by myself because like, otherwise I'm going to project my bad mood onto you guys. Like I know it's not you. I know it's my process, but I need to go and just be in a bad mood for a bit, like by myself. Totally. Yeah. I love that metaphor of the boiling pot. It's so true. And it's almost like, it's almost like taking, it's like taking the hand of your emotional wave and just kind of like dancing with it. Um, And knowing that it's going to actually be something that is supporting you. Um, I think that's just a really good different way to look at it too, because sometimes, you know, we can think of the idea as emotions and say, this is all the conditioning, of course, and say like bad, like no, bad. But we know as, as you know, emotionally, having the center emotionally defined, um, it's, it's not. It's actually full of this depth that you can have throughout your experience, which is so beautiful. <laughs> um, and, I, and I feel like if I'm dancing with it, if I'm taking that, you know, the top off of that boiling pot and letting it kind of like simmer and move that it just works in such a better flow. I'm getting the information I need from the emotions. I'm feeling these like ups and downs. Um, but you're, you know, you're right in the sense that it's like when the more you try to suppress, the more it's just gonna, it's this resistance and it's just gonna pop when you least expect it. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, 
don't be emotional now. Don't be emotional now. And like, that's when like, there's these insane waterworks and you know, it, it happens and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I love that idea of like holding the hand of your emotional wave too. And like kind of giving it what it needs, you know, like dancing around when you, it needs to dance around and also like giving it a hug when you need to just like sit yeah. and cry, you know, kind of like with yourself. And I know through my experience, like kind of looking back now, like knowing I'm emotional and obviously all kind of clicking into place and making sense and then being a manifester too. Like there have been so many times where I have been in, you know, a mood of one or another and I've allowed that pot to boil over. And I've, like you said, said something I didn't mean or did something that I didn't really want to do, you know, or just acted in a way that wasn't, you know, fully authentic or in integrity with who I was. And when it really started to change for me, it got to the point of like, going back and repairing that damage that I'd made as like a boiling over angry manifester is so laborious and it takes up so much energy and so much time that it got to the point of me like why don't I just stop making that damage you know and I still get to feel my emotions and I get to be pissed off at people you know and I get to see things from the other side but I don't have to break anything in that moment you know I can take that and be with it by myself or even like when you know you say you're in public and you're crying or whatever just allowing those things to happen you know being in that situation and be like I'm gonna cry now like I'm fine you don't need to do anything but just be aware that I'm probably gonna cry for the next 20 minutes of this conversation you know and just taking control of it and saying like this is mine I'm doing this for me and I'm not going to allow it to impact what's going on between the two of us. I love that so much. Um, And that's something that like I would definitely put in practice the way that you said, you know, there is after you are impacting the people around you and like looking past it, you know, various times, even without having awareness of this. And yes, there is this aftermath of like, uh, I have to do, I have to do some damage control. And even if you don't physically have to do anything, that is another level of something that is taking up mental space. It can be, um, I have a completely open crown. Um, it, it's, it can be, it, it can take you down even lower in the wave. And um, that's just a lot to, to have to own, you know? Um, and it's a lot of responsibility too um that you're putting on yourself when you don't necessarily need to yeah it is damage control you know and it just doesn't feel good you know like I look back and I used to blow up for things that obviously in hindsight I didn't need to blow up about but then after it's like you know I didn't mean that and I know I hurt that person's feelings and it didn't feel good to be in that situation to have to then go and damage control so as much as as it was about you know not impacting others it was also about that didn't feel good to me either, you know, and fixing the thing that I broke feels way worse than just not breaking it to start with. And I think that's where the whole journey of really accepting I was hugely emotional, but allowing it to kind of sometimes be my thing. You're like, this is mine. It's like, it's like my little like best friend that I get to keep. And then I like bring it out when I want to, but also it's mine. And it's okay for me to be intensely emotional, but not have to be witnessed in that process too. Mm. Ooh, I love that. It's, it's funny. Like, I feel like with this individual energy, I sometimes feel like it, 
it wants to be seen or like it begs to. And, and maybe that is why it like, it becomes so impactful to others. But there have been times in my life where, you know, I was in the high or low of my emotional wave. Um, And, you know, I think like we've been talking about this too, as, you know, emotions of being down, of being sad, et cetera. But like, there's also the, the highest highs, um, which is such a beautiful part of this as well. Um, and there were times when I think like I was at either my highest high or lowest low and just having this feeling of like, okay, like I need someone to know this or see this. And it isn't about anyone necessarily doing anything. I'm not looking to be helped or saved or even necessarily acknowledged in the high of my high. It's more of like, I don't know, it, the energy for me like wants, wants some eyes on it, like, the, like witness my process that I'm going through and almost like that's enough for me. And once it's witnessed, it almost helps me get back to this kind of like neutral phase of my wave, which I think is really interesting how other people kind of come into the process with me. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily dumping my stuff on them, um, but it's, I've learned to do it in a way where I can share it and I can like kind of say like, you know, you can come on this with me, um, yet it doesn't have to overtake our relationship or you, etc. Yeah, I definitely feel like emotions in general, like want to be witnessed because I, at the end of the day, like the solar plexus is about connecting, you know, it's about connecting with other people's, it's about relationship. So we can't really do that without being witnessed. And I know with my emotions, especially the high ones, I'm like, I want to share this, you know, I want to share this, whatever this great feeling is, like, I want to share it with you guys. And then in the lows, it's like, I just want to be seen here, like where I'm at. And I think what's a struggle for other people sometimes is in those lows of an emotional wave, like people want to help, you know, and they want to fix it and they want to do something. And I'm like, I just need you to be here in this moment with me. Like, I don't want you to do anything. Like just kind of just, yeah, just witness where I'm at emotionally. Is that, does that make sense? Oh, completely. Like, yeah, completely. That's absolutely what I feel. And Um, yeah, this is all about being in relation with other people. Um, and the impact of these emotions on relationships can be such a beautiful thing as well. Um, I think having this wave allows me to connect. And I think when someone I'm in relationship with, and I'm not just saying romantic relationship, um, can kind of witness me in, in my wave and, in all parts of it. And again, not by helping, but, or giving advice necessarily sometimes, but just by witnessing it or being there, I think that's how someone can start to really understand like who I am at a deep level. And like, there's no connection that is more deep than that. When you can really see someone going through all of these different, um, you know, all the different snapshots of their emotions can be really beautiful. Yeah, 100%. I think as emotional beings, it's part of who we are. Like you can't separate who you are 
from your emotional wave if you're an emotional being so to be in relationship where either it's not recognized or it's not kind of witnessed is really detracting from that relationship because that is part of who you are you know it's I can't what's the word like separate myself from the way I'm feeling kind of in my emotions and I think once learning to love it, it's so beautiful, you know, like I get to feel those real highs, but it's because I also feel those real lows, Mm. you know, like that's the reason why I think my life is so like rich with feeling is because I feel them both. But really finding that like graciousness for myself in those low moments to one, not try and fix myself too, to not push through it, to try and hurry through is what allows the rest of the process to be really beautiful. Advice I always give to emotionals is, especially in the low moments, you know, like it's this will pass, but you have to let it. The more you try and control it Mm -hmm. and move it, the longer it's going to take. Yeah, absolutely. I think like, you know, when I'm in a low of my wave, having gotten really in touch of like what this kind of looks like for me it is having this awareness is so big because I can tell myself you're just at the low like you're fine you got this you're just at the low you know it's gonna come back and you know you might be here again and you know I think like you said earlier kind of like giving myself a hug and saying like you're okay this is part of the process and it's true. It gives, it allows you to have those higher highs. Um, and like that, that's amazing. I think like the duality, the comparison and spending time in each just gives the depth of emotion in, in life. It makes it so much more rich. So I absolutely agree. Yeah. So super rich. So moving into kind of like the authority part of, you know, being emotional and as much as we have emotional waves that govern our lives and our experience, also being able to use it for decision-making. So it's kind of like a two-part question. Like one, how good are you at following your emotional authority? Like what has changed from decision-making in that perspective? But also then how's your experience pairing that with having a sacral and having that sacral response and almost having like two parts of your body that you've got to listen to in making a decision? Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky. And this is where I see like the nuance of human design really come to life. Um, it's not just, it's not ever just about one thing. It's about how the whole chart and all the energies work together, especially in these super significant places. You know, uh, my sacral signifies my type, my aura type, um, which is very, fast moving as a manifesting generator, or at least that's a characteristic of a manifesting generator. Um, And then the defined solar plexus with this emotional decision-making authority, it needs time. So like those two kind of push and pull against each other. And it's, it's, I'm still working through, you know, the, the kind of understanding the timing of things and what that rhythm looks like. But I have, I feel like I've become like such um, such a Jedi in a way of being able to kind of <laughs> just honor the the idea of of time, knowing that 
again, like this center in decision-making is actually here to support me. It's here to give me divine timing. Um, And I can see evidence of that, you know, from past decisions gone really well or gone not so well. Um, So for me right now, it's all about trust, like trust in timing, trusting to know that the clarity is going to show up for me when it's ready to show up for me. Um, And, you know, allowing myself to release control. I used to have just like this hold on trying to have control. I know control doesn't actually exist, but really trying to control everything. And there was so much resistance there and I wasn't in a flow. So the fact that I can sit back and, and just trust that the universe is working for me um, and, you know, we're working together. And as long as I can kind of like sit within this space that maybe does feel uncertain sometimes that clarity will come. And then, you know, your other question of then, like, how does that relate to the sacral center? Um, I just think of it now as another check-in point. So as far as my response goes, my sacral response as a manifesting generator, I can identify that pretty easily. Um, So if something comes along my path and I am lit up and excited by it, I have this expansive feeling. And as a manifesting generator, I kind of, I'm like, okay, like I want to do this. I want to move fast. Like let's commit to this. And what I've learned to do is just take a step away, take some time and let those emotions kind of like do their thing, do their dance. And honestly, sometimes that's a day. Sometimes it's a a night, you know, sleeping on it. Um, I think that's the minimum. And sometimes, honestly, it's like it might be a month, you know, Mm -hmm. with a certain decision. So for me, there's not like this super specific formula that I'm working with where I have like it charted out like, okay, in like three days, I'm going to know exactly what to do. It's not like that at all. I think it just kind of depends on is the clarity there or not? Have I gotten, you know, have I gotten all the emotional information that I need from this? Have I seen this at every emotional level, my highs and my lows? And when I can do that and I do come to clarity, it's very easy for me to kind of come back to then my sacral and say like, hey, am I still excited by this thing? And then if I am, then I move forward with it. So would I like to be moving faster with things? Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I, I trust the process here. I've made like some really big shifts in just, again, like honoring the wave. Um, I've seen where it's been so powerful. Um, you know, there's, with this center, it's often talked about like, when you wait, the deal becomes sweeter. So that's for me, like, that's an idea of like time, time is kind of on, on your side here. Things can get better for you. Um, and if, you know, whatever that thing is kind of falls away, then it's not meant for you. Um, so it's almost like I have a relationship with this wave and with timing and just knowing that it's here for me helps me in this process. Again, it's very nuanced and sometimes 
sometimes I'll just kind of jump into the fire and try something out and maybe I'll get burned, you know. Uh, the center is never 100% certain, as we know. Um, but yeah, I think it's all about trust, trusting with timing and surrender. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I think I rely a lot on kind of, you know, like divine timing and my wave, but I've never really connected the two. So that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me to put this like, now I'm like, well, obviously, you know, but it hadn't really connected like in my brain until then. Wow. I love that you brought up the um, like, it gets sweeter kind of deal. Cause like, I know I see that actually like in real life all of the time. Um, just like silly little examples. I'm a plant like collector, as you can see on my plants behind yeah. me. I went from like two plants to like 70 in the space of a year. Anyway, so I was at the store and I saw some plants and I was like, mm, do I really need another plant? And I was like, you know, I'll think about it. Then I went around the store and like got what I wanted and, you know, rode my tiny little wave. And I was like, yeah, I do want that plant. I went back out, I picked it up and one of the members of staff was like, oh, I'm just going to put a discount sticker on that. And I was like, if I'd got that at the beginning, I would have paid 50% more, you know, for my plant. (laughs) And then another example I have is I was buying a car and again, I'm emotional. So I went and we drove it and I was like, yeah, it's great. And I was like, I'm just going to go get lunch and think about it. Um, so I went to get lunch and then he called me. I can't remember exactly what, but he's like, yeah, you know, we'll knock this amount off and we'll pay for the tag and license for you. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, I saved myself a couple of grand by like just going to get a burger. So <laughs> things like that really like they do work and it happens all the time. And it's about creating that kind of like energetic vacuum. You know, it's like when you take your energy away from that space, there's almost like, it's almost like the space is like, oh God, like we've got to get it back. Mm. You know, like even for something as silly as a plant or like buying a car, but that's what the process is for an emotional. You you remove yourself from that space and then the rest of the energy is like a vacuum to try and get you back. Um, And then what you said too, like, and then if it leaves, it wasn't yours anyway. And I always say that about, What's been great for me is about anything that requires a right now answer isn't, isn't never, was never my decision to make, you know, and that takes in life so many decisions off your plate, you know, that I'm like, if it, if it requires right now, I don't even need to answer it. Like it's a no, because I need time. And that releases so many things that I could have been worrying about because it's not mine. Ooh, I love that. That was like a light bulb moment for me. It It's like permission to like, I'm not even going to entertain that right now. I love that. And then this idea of the energetic vacuum that's kind of happening behind the scenes. And I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen these things happen with jobs. You know, it's like initially you're like, okay, like, or one might be like, I want to hop on this thing because I don't want to miss this opportunity. And like my sacral can come in and say like, oh my God, like we want this. We cannot miss out on this. Um, but really, yeah, it's, it is the kind of like, let me step away. Let me have my, that, that, I love that, the energetic um, vacuum, like let that be, let that exist. And often like, that that job offer gets sweeter, you know? And that is a huge shift in life when those things happen and you're committing for the right reasons with the right time. Yeah, and it's really hard to trust that that's going to happen, you know, especially with something like a job and a great opportunity. It's always that, like, what if I step away and then it's gone? 
Mm -hmm. but always reminding yourself as an emotional like your job is to step away your job is to take time whether it's 20 minutes or two weeks and if it's not there at the end you didn't lose anything because it was never yours anyway I love that so much yeah there are so many examples like looking back in my life when I've made like split second decisions and they've all gone horribly or even I've made them in a place of really of excitement, you know, and then it's still like it hasn't gone horribly, but there were lots of things I could have avoided if I'd waited out the whole wave. Um, I had an experience the other day that I woke up in bed and I read an email and it was like this, it was like a program or something. And I was like, so excited by it. I was like, this is going to be great. And I almost went and signed up, but I was like, no, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna think about it. Then by like three o'clock, I was like, yeah, it's a no, you know? And I was like, I love having an emotional wave because I got to experience like that huge high and then like the reasons not, and then come back to that moment. And then that was just a recent moment that I've been like, this is so fun. you uh, know. <laughs> I love that. And like in that process too, it's like, you're not necessarily like going through a list mentally of like, okay, this program would get me like A, B, C, and D you're just, it's all happening. It's all happening in the background. And like, that makes it so cool. Yeah, Um, it does. I think even like the way that I might respond immediately or not to let's say like a work email or even like a text with someone, I have definitely kind of put myself on, on rules where I'm like, you don't have to respond now. You give yourself some time because, you know, I could be like super hyped up on some sort of like frustration around something that's going on at work, fire off some email that like an hour later, I'm like, oof, we could have handled that differently. And also like, I'm not emotionally attached to whatever this thing is anymore. Like I actually could have just let that go. It's not a big deal. Um, So I've learned a lot there. I have. (laughs) Yeah, it's a beautiful lesson kind of in detachment, isn't it? Because I think that is part of the emotional wave is getting to a point where you're like, this could be great or this could be really awful. And then being like, is it still a yes or a no? And especially from that place of like clarity, because certainty just doesn't exist, you know, as an emotional authority. If you wait for 100%, you are never going to get anything done for the rest of your life ever. Like you just can't wait for certainty but I think it's really interesting as well to play with those percentages of certainty you know because anywhere for me it can be between like you know like 80 percent but sometimes it's like maybe 55 you know Mm. and at 55 I'm like this is this feels correct enough and then at that moment I'm like all right I commit and that's what we're doing you know Mm. but I never look back and be like, oh, I shouldn't have made that decision because I know I followed my wave. I know it was correct at that moment, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything's going to go beautifully from that point on. Mm, Exactly. Like the the 100% thing never happens. So it is about trusting that like, regardless, there's going to be something for me on this journey. Um, I'm not going to map out, try to map out the expectation of exactly how that looks, but just having this sense of I'm meant to be on this journey and what it brings me, it'll bring me and it'll bring me to the next thing. It'll bring me to the next, um, you know, 
response, sacral response that I'm going to have, or like, you know, the creative urge that you might have. Um, And then again, coming back to, okay, let's, let's get more wisdom out of these different emotional waves that we're having. So it's just this ongoing thing. And sometimes with the emotional center too, I'm like, it's like, okay, can we like map this thing out? And then we know it forever, but you're going to be on this wave for the rest of, you know, these various waves are part of your process for life. Um, so that's, I think that's a good thing to remember too. Um, you can definitely master how to work with it and how to, you know, like hold its hand and, and be like in togetherness with it. Um, but it's something that's going to continue to happen and ultimately then like continue to take you where you need to go. Um, and continue to like give you these all of these experiences that you are meant to emotionally feel within your life. Yeah. So coming back to the twelve twenty two and that individual wave specifically, having those kind of like impulsive peaks and then like impulsive lows, and the middle sometimes being like you know like melancholic for almost that absence of emotions be it high or low do you experience that kind of like melancholy and do you ever feel is that ever a time that you want to bypass your kind of like emotional decision making in order to you know jump to action to feel something Mm. yeah absolutely I mean I think that and also with other things in my chart like significant placements like I want to feel, I want to go on these various journeys. So to learn to kind of sit in these melancholic moments can be tricky. Um, I, I kind of sometimes am wanting all of these various expressions, you know, I know that it's part of me. Um, and even if sometimes it might feel uncomfortable, um, I think it's something that I want, you know, I I want to feel the ups and downs of something because I have understood that it makes the highs higher. It makes my life richer. And I can see like a ton of evidence of that in my life. Um, But I definitely connect with like being in this melancholic stage at times and, um, I have, I have no control over that when it wants to uh, leave this stage or be in this stage or, you know, create from this stage. I can't necessarily say like, okay, we're going to like get into the depths of my emotion right now and we're going to move through this at the specific rate that I want to move through it. Um, so again, I think there comes back to surrender as well. But when I, when I do it, when I allow myself to be in that, um, and not try to like push, push it higher or push it lower. And if I can just let myself be, um, so much can come out of, can come out of it. Um, and I think like, so there was, you know, a, a time in my life or an example where like, I was just going through like a a really tough phase. Um, I had had a breakup, which became, it was around my Saturn return and it really became the catalyst for like all of these different 
many different things in my life. So I'm like, very I got divorced person. like three months before my Saturn return. Oh so my like God. I I know that feeling very deeply. <laughs> it's, real. it's a very real, real thing. And you know, I I definitely allowed myself to to feel all of the emotions that were going on in my life. Um, but it wasn't till you know, and I thought I was like, I thought I was good, I thought we were great, I thought I had processed all of this. And I was good, but as far as the creativity piece, I went to this retreat and we were doing this beautiful writing workshop. We would do them like every single day. And I was kind of prompted in my writing to write about like this relationship and like my feelings around it. And it was like this whole new like creative force like poured out of me and you know again I was like oh we got this all wrapped up like we're good like we don't need to do this but for some reason this was happening it was coming out of me and like in poetry in words in the way that the 1222 expresses and to be perfectly honest I feel like that it like opened up something inside of me that maybe I was suppressing Um, that I was able to kind of come back to this like massive creative expression that now I, you know, I'm more connected to. And it's something that I put in practice all of the time. But I think the way this comes back to, you know, that idea of melancholy and this individual wave kind of going on and off at at its leisure, not mine, Um, I totally saw that in this. It was like the end of this process that I had been going through for a while, but I didn't even know I was still going through it. Um, And so it was kind of like incredible and really just allowed myself to like tap into all of these other parts of this particular wave. So it was, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty powerful when you let it, do its magic yeah so powerful and that like just the intensity of those Mm -hmm. emotions and I don't think we talk enough about how much kind of creative energy lives in emotions and I know obviously I do the creating generally in the higher place but all of that evidence and information for what I create comes from those lows you know it's those moments of like deep dark kind of depth that I collect all this information for what then gets created and I think that's part of what makes it so beautiful and rich is that collecting of evidence and Mm. information that goes into whatever is going to be created you know again at the leisure of our emotional energy Yeah, and honestly, that's probably, too, why it's so impactful and why, you know, we talked about solar plexus as, like, this place of relationships. But the fact that you are in the process going into the depths of emotions and however it expresses, um, like, if the creative expression is happening at the high, because it's using all of that information, it's going to connect with people on a deep level because we all feel um, emotionally defined or not, we're all feeling, we're all having experiences. 
And I think like that's how you can create or relate through a piece of creative or even, you know, any sort of expression, the way that you word or share something and put it out into the world. It's, you know, you, we kind of feel like, okay, this is what it is right now, but as emotionally defined beings, knowing that like, no, it's actually coming from all of these depths of emotions that I have felt, you know, either this week or throughout my entire life. And it's so rich and it hits so much harder. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So as we kind of wrap up this incredible conversation, what advice would you give for somebody who's maybe struggling with an emotional wave, especially with the 1222 and the kind of, you know, impulsive format of it? Or what did you need to hear, you know, along that journey that you'd like to share? Yeah, I would say just like have have love and compassion for yourself. Know that um, this is here for you. Your emotional wave is here for you. It is not working against you. So, you know, lean into it step by step. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to put pressure on yourself to really know exactly when this wave is going to go up or down, et cetera, because you're not, you're never going to go that you're never going to know that, but you can start to take like small steps to kind of love and honor it. And maybe you can kind of even look back at your life and give yourself evidence of, you know, when I was really allowing myself to gain clarity in my emotional wave, and then I made a decision like, how did that work for me? Um, because, because for me, when I can go back and look at evidence, like that's when I can start to put the pieces together. Um, yeah. And just trust that this is something that will enrich the depth of emotion that you have in your life. And, you know, that's a really, really beautiful thing. Um, even though society doesn't always (laughs) let us know that, um, And you're going to be able with the center defined to like really, really connect with people. Um, And that's a beautiful thing. And I guess like the number one thing I would say too, is just have trust in timing because it is supporting you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation. I know we could probably talk for another hour, just everything (laughs) emotional. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation. I feel like I have like all of these light bulb moments that um, I want to go implement as well. So thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to Practical Awakening. I know there are thousands of podcasts out there and I'm so grateful to have shared this episode with you. Check out the show notes for all links from today's episode. If you loved what you heard, screenshot and share this episode on social media. Be sure to tag me so I can repost.